You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. The worship time that we've already had, the amazing testimonies we're hearing from our young people. Father, if anyone came in here today, first of all, we know that no one here visiting or no one's here is because of a coincidence. We know it's a God incidence. We know that this is a special day for them. We pray if anyone came in here not knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that their life will be totally changed, that they would be able to eat from the tree of life and live eternally. We pray if anyone came here struggling financially, that they would understand that they are an overcomer. If anyone came in here today with a bad report from the doctor, sick in their body, we pray that they would believe for their healing and know that they are an overcomer. If anyone came in here depressed, oppressed, lonely, maybe suicidal, God, maybe feeling that they're not worthy, maybe in a relationship that seems like it's going to break, maybe holding on to unforgiveness and anger that needs to be let go. Any of those things, Father, in the name of Jesus, today would be their day that they would overcome. Holy Spirit, speak through me to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's message is about being an overcomer, that you are an overcomer. I don't know how many years ago, but two guys started a sneaker company, and they were going to call it Dimension Six. But they didn't feel real good about the name. So one of the guys, you know, but they had to get a name out soon because they were about to trademark and, and put that name on their sneakers. And one of the guys had a vision in the middle of the night, and he saw the word Nike. And that word Nike to him was the Greek goddess of victory. But you know, the word in the Bible, overcomer, is the word Nike, or Nike. Swoosh. Overcome. Have victory. So today we're going to talk about overcoming, having victory. And the word in the Bible used 28 times is the word Nike. How many of you wear Nike clothes? Oh, I see a Nike swoosh right there. I remember after Michael Jordan started endorsing Nike, man, I wanted everything I had to have a swoosh on it. Because there was something about it that made me feel like I was going to win. Or remember they used to say, just do it. Just win. I'm here to tell you today that you have a swoosh on you if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. You're an overcomer. You're a winner. And why do you need to win? And before I talk about that, just understand that the, the real, the strongest definition of Nikkei is this, to overcome, to conquer, to prevail, to come through victoriously. How many of you are going through something right now? Physical, financial, relational, emotional, social, whatever it might be. To Nikkei, to Nike, to swoosh means, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win right now. It means you're going to come through it and win. But you know what? With God, all things are possible. You can get your victory right now. You know, sometimes people are healed before the healing line. Sometimes people release unforgiveness and offense during the worship. Those are the best kinds of services. Because then I'm preaching to a happy congregation. 
But you know what? It doesn't matter where you overcome as long as you overcome. Amen? As we were worshiping, you know, there were some people up here, and you could tell that they're going through some stuff. And I just went over to them, and I said, listen, you're coming through this. You're going to win. You're going to overcome. Alberto was up here. He's a single dad. You know, I used to talk about single moms all the time, and he came up to me and said, there's some single dads here, too. I respect you for raising those beautiful kids. And they were up here. There's some single dads out there, and his kids always come up here, and they worship with us. And you went up to the altar, and I just said, go pray for your dad. And they went over and laid hands on their father. Because I know this. As a father, if I'm going through something, and my kids, you're hearing, you're listening, you're taking notes, <laughs> you come up and pray for me, and, you're, and I know I'm going to win. I know I'm going to win. Ephesians 6, 12, because you know what? We're in a war. We are in a war. How many of you know you're in a war? You're in a fight. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, though. See, we, too many times we think the fight is against people. I do it all the time as a pastor because my business is people. How many of you are in the people business? You know what I mean? So when you're in the people business and you try to love people, if people do things that you don't love, you forget that your battle isn't against people. That's the hardest thing for us as Christian leaders, as brothers and sisters to understand. Our battle is not against them. It's against forces that can work through them and work through us. How many of you know that the enemy can work through you? Come on now. Let's get real here. Honey, you even got to raise your hand. As rare as it is. It's very rare. But um, our fight is not against people, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against powers in this dark world. How many of you know sometimes the world could be a little dark? Listen, as youth leaders, you could see it's so plain because with the teens, like they're wearing their life right out there. You know where they are. You know who, who, who the influence on them. You could see that they need help. You know, as we get older, sometimes we hide it better. But I'm telling you, I wasn't at the all-nighter. Hallelujah. <laughs> Not because I don't, you know what? I did my 20 years, okay? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I got a chance to, to rest. You know, usually I will go, but praise God, that stuff can happen that I don't have to be a part of, but it's supernatural awesome, you know, and I can just hear a great report, but I guarantee you that when after they worship and Pastor Kev gave the word there, I can guarantee you a spiritual battle was raging for some of those teens. There's a fight going on. How many of you know sometimes your teenagers are under the control of the devil? How many of you know that? Oh, Jesus. But you know what? We're in a fight. And we're not fighting against our teens most of the time. But against rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in the dark world. Against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Let's remember that there is a war. And let's remember who we're fighting. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Here's the interesting thing. So those of us that have put our faith in Jesus, we were made alive. We once were dead in our sins. We once walked according to the course of this world. 
We once listened and were under control of the prince of the power of the air. Guess what? We used to be on the other side. How many of you remember that? <laughs> you remember me being on the other side. You know, the Lord gave me a vision early on when I got saved. I used to go to discos all the time. Anybody? Or did you burn disco records? I don't know. I used to go to Studio 54 all the time. I used to be at night dancing. And this song by the Tramps, Disco Inferno. Burn, baby, burn. Dun, dun. And the Lord showed, he said, you know what? When you were singing that song and dancing to that song, did you realize that that's where you were going to end up? Burning, baby burning? Not in a disco inferno. <laughs> in Dante's inferno. And you know, I, used to, I was dancing with the devil. I didn't even know it. And the thing about the devil, when he dances with you and he twirls you around, he makes you feel good, like everything's great, and then he lets you go. You smack into the wall, and what do you do? You get back up and dance with him again. We were once the enemies of God. Do you ever remember a time you made fun of Christians? Come on, now raise your hand. I'm not talking about you that grew up in the church, you know, supposedly. People will go like, I'll say, so, you know, how did you get saved? And they'll go, I was born in the church. Did your mother break water at the altar and give birth to you there? What do you mean you were born? I remember my son said that one time. He goes, I was born in the church. I go, really? <laughs> did the pastors deliver you? But you know what? Sometimes it's easier for someone like me. How many of you, your background before Christ was really bad, broken home, broken life, drugs and alcohol, big mess? Now, how many of you grew up, you were born in the church, you're a pastor's kid, or, you know, you were just born into it? You know what I sometimes say? I think it's harder for you. You know, once we were on the other side of the battle, we really got to experience what it was like to lose. <laughs> we never overcame. We always lost. But you, you've grown up in the side of the winning team, and sometimes you forget there's even a war because you don't know the other side. Amen? So I pray for you, especially PK. How many pastor's kids are here? Yeah, you dangerous breed. <laughs> Just kidding, but praise God. All my kids are past the kids. All your kids are, oh my God, we've ruined the church. <laughs> but listen, we're in a battle, but we're overcomers. And I want to just share with you seven blessings of the overcomer through Scripture. All right, let's look at the first one. It's in Revelation 2, verse 17. First of all, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, how many of you know we're in a church? Does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Yes. Amen. John wrote this vision down, but this, this, these letters are to us as well. Amen? You know, this puts to rest this thing about, well, you don't need church. Really? <laughs> then I guess you're not going to hear a whole lot from the Spirit. But the Spirit speaking to the church, he says, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. Now, we know the Israelites were given manna in the desert. And then remember, Jesus said, he is the manna. You can look at this in many different ways. I'm not going to try to interpret the book of Revelation today. 
okay? But there are a few things we can see in this. If you overcome, if you Nike, if you win, you will get to eat some of the hidden manna. And I'm going to tell you, there's people in here right now who are already eating hidden manna. There are people that are Christians that are going through stuff, and you're like, how do they make it? Because they're eating some hidden manna, ladies and gentlemen. They, they are eating, they have a, a strength and a power that you may not necessarily see on the outside, but they have it on the inside. Yeah. They're eating hidden manna. Yeah. You know, God told them to put the manna and hide it in the Ark of the Covenant. One day when we go to heaven, we're going to see that Ark of the Covenant and that hidden manna is going to come out and we're going to realize we had the hidden manna the whole time. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus who lives inside of us. See, you know how people look at Christians? They don't look at you when you praise the Lord and say, come to my church, it's so cool. They look at you when you lose your child or you have sickness or you lose your job or your business. And then when you seem to have a joy anyway, it's because you're eating hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone. Now, back in the day when this was written, a white stone was given to Olympians when they won, when they were victorious. Also, in the courtroom, when there was a verdict given, if you were innocent, you got a white stone. Basically this, look, if you're an overcomer, you're innocent. Everybody say, I'm innocent. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're innocent. Even though you may seem that you should be guilty, you're innocent. I was sharing with the uh, first service, you know, that one of my daughters is getting married in a couple of months, and she's going to wear a white dress <laughs> because she's innocent. <laughs> and her fiancé was here, too, and I grabbed her by the neck, and I said, she's going to be <laughs> innocent, right? I didn't squeeze. I didn't squeeze. I just touched the squeeze. <laughs> Let me tell you something, young ladies. Stay innocent. Yeah. Wear that white dress. Yeah. No guy is worth a, a dress that isn't white. Yeah, that's right. Do my kids hear me? Can I get an amen? <laughs> <laughs> and on the stone, a new name was written. How many of you know that when you got born again, you got a new name? Even though Pastor Kevin was still Kevin, but he's got a new name. And I love it. And no one will know that name that you're going to get from God. See, God's going to give us a new name, and it's going to be between him and us. That's the kind of relationship we're going to have. I kind of like, I think I want the name Joshua. But anyway, whatever he gives me is fine. You know, half of my life I lived under another name. When I was 13, I was kidnapped, my younger brother and sister and I, from my father and my older brother and sister. And I lived under another name. And those were the darkest days of my life, not because of the name I had, but just because of my situation. I didn't know the Lord. I was going through hell. I was living according to the course of this world. After I met Jesus, my father, who I didn't have a great relationship with, who I did lead to Jesus three months before he died, he took me to court and he, he gave me my name back. He paid $3,000 so I could be who I really am again. He paid the price for me to have my name back. 
In the same way, Jesus has paid the price so you can have a new name. He has paid the price so you could have a new name. Next, Revelation 3.12 says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write of him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. This is the temple of God that we are in right now, Grace Church. There are many churches all over that are temples of the Lord. And I want to tell you something. You know who becomes a pillar in the church? Somebody who overcomes. And what does that mean? That they don't quit. That offense, they win over offense, they win over sickness, they win over financial trouble, they win over their marriage, they win over all these different things. It isn't easy, it's a battle, but if you win, if you overcome, you can be a pillar. And what's a pillar? A pillar is something we can lean on. A pillar is something that we always know where it's going to be. You know, people will walk through this church. Some will leave, some will stay. Some will become pillars. And you know what? Everybody needs a pillar in their life. Something they can trust, something they know is going to be there. In between services, I just happened to be in the office, and Jamie was in there and sitting at a desk. We just talked about all the stuff that we've been through here. And how she just wants to be a pillar. <laughs> and she is a pillar. <laughs> She's a pillar to me. And she can be a pillar to you. Because you know what? We all go through stuff. The question is, what are we going to do? How many of you have been in a church and got offended? Don't throw up too many hands. How many of you have been here more than a year? Raise your hand right now. Of those people, how many of you have at least been offended once here at Grace Church? I get offended when you don't come to church, man. I'm offended every day of the week. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I know. <laughs> No, but the point is, the fact that you stayed shows that you're an overcomer. Now, I always say, you know, look around you at the empty seats, but today they were actually looking for empty seats. Because as we grow, there'll be less people getting offended and there'll be more pillars. Because the world outside there, they need a pillar. They need somebody to lean on. They need somebody that whatever Jamie and Todd have gone through, that they can be pillars for them. That whatever Phil has gone through, that he can be a pillar for them. Amen? Amen. That whatever Alicia has gone through, they can be a pillar. I'm talking to Alicia. There's uh, Pastor Alicia. There's Alicia there. That's sitting very close to together. I didn't want you to think I wasn't calling you Pastor Alicia, honey. Alicia Jr. Okay. Next, he who overcomes will be dressed in white. I will never blot out their name from the book of life 
but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Remember what Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. Amen? And another thing we see here is there, there's a book of life, and it seems as though everyone's name is in it. See, we think that, you know, there's a book, and then, you know, every, somebody gets saved, and, oh, let's write them in. That's not God's heart, is it, Pastor Kev? Is it, Pastor John? Is that God's heart? No way. His heart is that all will be saved. His, his heart is that no one's name will be blotted out from the book of life. Overcome today. Stay in the book. Keep your name. Forget about that who's who thing that you got to pay for. Nobody reads. This is the book of life. Keep your name in there by putting your faith in Jesus. Next, number four, to him who overcomes and does my will to the end. To him, I will give authority. We give out authority too quickly in the church, on our jobs, in all kinds of situations. I've done it, trust me. I've made this mistake. You give authority to someone based on their gifts or on their talents, but you know what? They're not an overcomer. As soon as trial and tribulation comes, they don't do God's will to the end. Oh, my God. This church is 16 years old. <laughs> We've gone through a lot of leaders. We got some really good leaders right now. Like, I feel so good about the leadership in our church right now. I do. You know why? We can mix it up with each other. We had mixed it up the other day, man. If we had boxing gloves, we would have probably hit each other. And I would have definitely got knocked out because I deserved it. But that's not the point. <laughs> the point is we're able to get through that because we have to be overcomers. Or we can't lead you to be overcomers. We got to be a Nike swoosh leadership. And those that stay till the end get the authority. Not because they can sing real good or preach real good or teach real good. No. Because they stay until the end. In the end, they decide, you know what? Let's do it God's way. Amen? Amen. You know, you got to be careful who you give a, the keys to the gym, right? How many of you know, like, you used to go back to your old high school, you want to play basketball, and some yo-yo has the keys. And he wants to make you jump through hoops, and all you want to do is play some basketball. It's like, who gave this guy that authority? But God gives authority to those who do his will until the end. Go to the next scripture, please. And that person that overcomes, that gets that authority, not only gets authority, but gets to sit with Jesus on his throne. Do you know not all thrones were one-seaters back then? I said not all thrones were one-seaters. There were thrones that had room for other people to sit on the throne with the leader. The ones that overcome, we're going to sit on the throne in the same way Jesus sat down with his father. I don't know about you, but I want to sit on the throne, and I want a crown. And I want a scepter. And I want to be able to say, bring me a hamburger. I mean, we're, if we overcome, 
if we do his will to the end, not only will we have authority, but we will sit on his throne. Oh, my God. Can somebody say hallelujah? hallelujah. Revelation, <laughs> Revelation 2.11. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes, he who swooshes, he who wins, he who makes it through, he who stays faithful to the end shall not be hurt by the second death. All right, I'll, I'll ask you a simple question. How many of you know what the first death is? You don't? How many of you are not going to die? <laughs> or your bodies are not, well, if Jesus comes back before, and you know, we can believe by faith that we're going to live forever, but no one's ever accomplished that except, well, Jesus, his flesh died. So how many of you know what the first death is? The first death is not, we're all going to die. You know, any of the pastors can tell you, when we do a funeral, you know, we did Pastor Jerry Annie Porter's funeral recently, and his dirt suit was in the coffin, but he wasn't there. His spirit isn't dead. He's very much alive. That's the first death. But I will caution you, the second death you don't want to deal with. Because in the Bible it talks about what the second death is in Revelation 21, verse 8. You want to know what the second death is? You want to know what you're looking to avoid? <laughs> The cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, basically sinners that haven't put their faith and trust in Jesus, shall have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And we know this is a fire that never, say never. never. Now, when I'm talking with people and I hear them say always and never, I say be careful. Because I used to say, I'll never say that to you again, honey, and what do I do? A day later, I say it. Or I'll always take out the garbage, what happens, it gets stuck there. Whatever. <laughs> but you know what? This fire, God says, never goes out. If you're not a believer, you will spend an eternity in a lake of fire. Now, it's a really cool scripture for Grace Church, <laughs> but it's a truth, and it's something that we want to avoid. See, as overcomers, we avoid the second death. We want the blessing, which is in the next scripture, <laughs> he who overcomes. Now, this is the verse immediately before the verse talking about the second death, and if you read in Revelation, it talks all about a river of life that flows in heaven, and, and trees on the banks that people are eating, trees that have healing in it. He who overcomes shall inherit all these things. We have an awesome, awesome inheritance. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we will avoid the second death. And here's what we will get to do. Put up the last scripture. I love this. To him who overcomes, I will give the right 
to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise, or as it was spoken in the Old Testament, the Eden of God. You know, Adam and Eve, God gave them a garden, and in the middle of the garden, there was a tree of life, and there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, don't eat of this tree, but every other tree you can eat from. They could have went right to the tree of life and tasted God, taste and see that the Lord is good. Instead, they chose, they sinned, they chose the wrong tree. And so what happened after that? You see in Genesis, you see the, the Godhead talking to each other saying, well, now that they've eaten from the wrong tree, we can't let them eat from the tree of life now because they will be eternally condemned to sin with no chance for restoration. So God put an angel with a flashing sword in front of that tree so they couldn't eat from it. But to us that overcome now, we're going to get the right to eat from that tree again. I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about that. And the only reason is because we put our faith and trust in Jesus who didn't choose the wrong tree in his garden. He chose to die for us. Amen? Amen. So finally, these are the blessings of the overcomer. Three quick questions. How do we overcome? How do we overcome? Revelation 12, 11 says this. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. And he will give you the victory. How many of you remember that? How many of you remember that from revival meetings? Man, I remember the first revival meeting I went to. I was only saved for a couple years. I heard that song, Satan the blood of, I was like, Satan the blood of Jesus is against you. I had no idea what it was about. I was just like, yeah, Satan the blood of Jesus against you. I saw myself with a bucket of blood like pouring it on Satan. But it's the blood of the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. When we plead the blood, we're not bringing down a shower of blood. We're pleading that the blood of Jesus covers over our sin, and the accuser has no accusation that has any power over me because Jesus died for me. He loves me. I am his. I am an overcomer. He's the Lamb of God that takes away my sin. Say, he has taken away my sin. Hallelujah. So, Satan, the blood of Jesus. We used to go crazy. Is against you. And so it's the blood of the lamb and the logos, the word logos meaning message of their testimony, which is the Greek word martyro, which is the word for martyr. Anybody know what a martyr is? So it's the message of a martyr. We overcome because of what Jesus did, which makes us righteous before God, and our testimony. How many of you got a great testimony? Come on now. How many of you were at the bottom of that pickle jar and God found you down and he had to move a bunch of other pickles out of the way? And you were like a sour pickle. But he took you out and cleaned you up and he changed you. 
How many of you have a testimony that you would die for? There is nothing that's ever going to change. I was a drug addict, high school dropout, suicidal. I, I can, my testimony, I could, because it's the most powerful thing I have. Your testimony is the most powerful thing that you have. How many of you have shared your testimony and seen someone come to Jesus just from you sharing your testimony? We go to the youth shelter every month, and this young lady, Christina Cartagena, she went and she said, I need to speak to those youth. And people were wondering, well, what's she going to talk about? What's she going to talk about? I wasn't there, but I heard about this. She gave her testimony, and those kids were frozen. They were frozen. You see, because when you hear what God has done in someone's life, and you could see it's every bit coming from them, it will change you. I am not an effective pastor because I'm a great speaker or really good looking. It's none of those things. <laughs> or because my wife is so happy or I have great leaders here. My effectiveness is in one thing. It's my testimony. Because there's nothing that will ever change that I was going to take my own life and Jesus reached out and saved me. And that will be effective for the rest of my life. Let me tell you something. I just want to be an evangelist. Is that okay? They get to travel all around the world and just tell their testimony in a different way. They don't have to study or nothing. They just tell their testimony, throw a few scriptures, and they're all set. But really, it's a powerful thing. Some of the most powerful evangelists just go somewhere and share their testimony to a new group. And people get saved. It's amazing. Share your testimony. If you're down, share your testimony. That's how you overcome the evil one. By opening your mouth and sharing it. Next, why? Why are we overcomers? John chapter 4, verse 4. I love this. You are of God. That's why. Little children. Look at the person next to you and say, you're little children. You're just a little children. He's not talking to kids. He's talking to people that they're little children. Meaning you have to have that kind of faith to understand this simple little thing. This is why you overcome. Because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Okay, so you got somebody in the world. but you got somebody in you. You got somebody in the world. One day we're going to see him and think that was it. And you got somebody in you. Say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Is that a victory? Is that an overcoming? Is that a winning Finally, finally, so here's the thing. <laughs> so who is the overcomer? John 16, 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world 
you will have tribulation. That word tribulation, I teach it all the time, is the Greek word klipsis, and here's what it means. It means you have a bunch of papers stacked on a table, but they're not in line. There's air in that stack. You know what I'm talking about. Just look at my desk, if you don't, because I don't keep everything neat. You know, how many of you are really neat? Like your papers are all in line, everything. I'm, 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 I'm big man. I look like Linus. Like on Wall Street, they were like, "Oh yeah, that's his desk." The guy next to me, man, his, my friend Frank. Everything was always perfectly in line. So crazy. Every time he went to the bathroom, I moved it. <laughs> and he would come back and he'd go. Mm. He would know, like a centimeter that it was off. How many of you were like that? Come on now, be honest. You dangerous people. Dangerous, dangerous. But that paper had air in it, and the pressure, the pressure, take the air out of it. Would take the air out of it. Did you ever lose your breath? My beautiful wife, who is the easiest going, happiest person I've ever known, there was a time years ago where she lost her breath. She was like, she was like, honey, I'm not, I, I just, and for a moment I felt good because it was something with her, not me. But then I felt, I was like, oh, really? You lost your breath? Really? Like, what's that? She went to a doctor. I mean, she's never sick. But she went to the doctor and he said, there's nothing wrong with you. Are you a little stressed out? She was just having some unforgiveness in her life. That was it. And, and she got her breath back. See, the devil's looking to take your breath away. But cheer up. Cheer up, everybody. He has overcome the world. Amen? Yes. He has overcome the world. So Jesus has overcome. 1 John 5, 4 says this, whatever is born of God overcomes. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith in what? Whoever has... has put their belief that Jesus is the Son of God, is an overcomer. So if you put your faith in Jesus, you are an overcomer. So why do I say all this? You are an overcomer, but you know what? You don't always feel like an overcomer. I don't know, it was a couple of weeks ago, I had the Robinsons, I was hanging out with Courtney and Erica, and I just wasn't feeling like an overcomer. I just wasn't feeling like I was winning. And uh, Pastor Courtney put on this song by Mandisa called You're an Overcomer. And I was actually talking to Erica today, and she said, you know what? There's more to that song than just that he put it on, because he put it on, and we were like, you're an overcomer. Because in the video, they're boxing. But uh, she said, you know, when they lost their son a couple years ago, and it's funny that you mentioned that, Erica, because it actually was during the month of February that they lost their son. And they said, by listening to that song over and over and over again, they realized they were going to get through this and they were going to be overcomers in the end. So he's playing that song, and I just start crying, and the Lord said to me, you know what? Tell my people that they're overcomers. The same feeling you have right now, I want them to know it. So if you could stand to your feet, 
with me right now, just for a moment, not yet. No, no, you guys, yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. Everything about this is a mindset. I'm going to a personal trainer now. That's why I look so good. Um, now, me, how many of you hate working out? You're like me. I can't stand gyms. I don't want to work out. I, I have no inclination to do that. You know, uh, Steve Lawn, years ago, we both worked on Wall Street, and he was like, let's work out every morning at 5 a.m. I was like, yes, yeah, Steve, let's do it. But eventually I did, and uh, I somewhat enjoyed it. But if I was playing a basketball game or a football game, and it was the fourth quarter, and I was tired, I would just press in more. I could play three games, four games, five games, because it was just a mindset. So I'm going to personal training now, and now Alicia's going with me, my wife. <laughs> and she's like, let's go work out. Isn't this fun? <laughs> no, it's not fun, and I don't like it. <laughs> she likes to work out. She likes to run. How many of you like to run? Long distance. People are weird. I don't get it. All you're doing is running. It's so boring. But she loves to do that. Even if we're driving down the street, we see somebody running, and she says, what a good person. <laughs> oh, because they're running? Whoop-dee-doo. What makes them any more special than me? I play basketball. But the point is, it's all about a mindset. So I wasn't feeling it. I was feeling like I wasn't an overcomer, even though I am. And here's the thing about Christians. Like, even though you are something, sometimes you don't feel like it or even recognize it. Amen? You know what I mean? Like, how many of you are going through something right now? And, and, and you know what? Yeah, you are. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, guess what? You are an overcomer. Uh, okay, I, it can't, God can't lie. You are, but you don't feel like it sometimes. Sometimes you need to be told. So I thought, we play this song. I want everybody to loosen up right now. I'm going to loosen up, okay? All right? I want you to be ministered to by this song. We made a nice video. And it's just about, it's letting you know that you're an overcomer. And you know how you, you embrace or appropriate something from God? You celebrate it. So I just want you to celebrate this song by Mandisa. I like to do this every once in a while, just try to give you an experience that I had and just let God speak to you that you are an overcomer and you're feel free to dance and have a good time and don't be all shy and stuff don't act like a church person oh that's so nice i'm an overcomer <laughs> be like i'm an overcomer you can play it
the best of you. You're an overcomer. Lean the light till the final word. Be down for a moment, feeling kind of hopeless. That's when he reminds Overcome us. Overcome us. Everybody hit the ground. Promises he wants you to know you're an overcomer. you to fight till the final round. You're not going under. <laughs> Holding you right now. You might be down for a moment. Feeling kind of hopeless. That's when he reminds you. You're an overcomer. Amen. The great I am. The only who overcame that is living inside of you. Until fix your eyes on the one who holds your life. There's nothing he can't do. He's telling you. You're <laughs> fight till the final. You're not going under. It's holding you right now. You love me.
crazy. We're a little crazy. You may be seated. Romans 8.37 says this. Yet in all. Everybody say all. All, all these things. All. We are more than all. conquerors through him. Amen. What does that mean? The word is not conquerors. The real word is hupo nike, which means super overcomer. In all these things, we are super overcomers. So who is the overcomer? The one that believes that Jesus is the Christ. And let's make sure that's everybody here right now. Close your eyes. Bow your heads with me. Thank you, Lord. It's a visual that you just saw. You know what that visual is? That there's a fight. But you can't quit. And if you get knocked down, you got to get back up. And you got to fight till the final round. Paul said, fight the good fight. Don't quit. Press on to your high calling. But you can't do that until you've been called by God and you've accepted that call. You can't overcome until you have Jesus living inside of you. And if you don't, today's your day. Are you 100% sure that when you face the first death, that you won't face the second? Are you 100% sure that Jesus is the Lord of your life and he lives inside of you? If not, say this prayer with me. Everybody close your eyes, bow your head. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Some of you, your testimony will be written today. Last week, 13 people's testimony was written as they gave their heart to the Lord. And I'm praying for you today. If you don't know Jesus, today's your day, young and old alike. Say this prayer when we say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. He died on the cross, shed his blood for me. Three days later, you raised him from the dead so I could have a new life. Holy Spirit, come inside me. Make me brand new. Starting today, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Everybody's eyes are closed, head and bow for us. Head bow for one second. You said that prayer. Maybe it's the first time or the tenth time. It doesn't matter if you said it and you meant it, that you want to make Jesus Lord of your life. You want the greater one living inside of you. You want to be an overcomer. If that's you, no one's looking right now, I want you to raise your hand high. You said that prayer. Amen. Who else? Raise your hand high. Who else? All right. I see four different people. I see five. Okay. Remember, I will, all of you that raise your hand, quickly stand to your feet. Quickly stand up. Go ahead. Do it. Just do it. Come on. Stand up. Come on. This way here. Stand up. Somebody over here. Stand up. Okay. Okay. 